Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Uh, yeah, Gadjevich is going in for Darlene, and uh, Merkley's going in for Mosh. Reimer in that. All right, that is Sharks head coach Bob Bugner bringing us in on this Tuesday afternoon as we get ready for tonight's game against the Oilers. The Oilers, of course, an inconsistent team, I think is the, the best way to classify them if a team that is you know, definitely going to be headed towards the playoffs, but I would in no way call them a juggernaut. And I think that as they sit at 39, 25 and five, I think this is a winnable game for the San Jose Sharks. And I think that, you know, I don't mind having that viewpoint coming into this. I know a lot of people want the Sharks to just kind of shut it down and kind of roll over. But, you know, it's something that Bob Bugner has talked about. He doesn't want the team to just turn into a shell. He doesn't want them to give up. He wants them to keep fighting hard. He wants them to hammer home, you know, the the habits and the system and the things that they've been working on all year long, even if the playoffs are no longer, uh, you know, something that we have to look forward to. But, you know, I want to see Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, Eric Carlson, Logan Couture. I want to see these guys go out there and play really high-level hockey. Same story for Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. I mean, I think Timo Meyer definitely is probably looking at wanting to get some sort of a contract extension or looking ahead towards his deal. And by showing how productive he has been this year and how productive he can be in the future, I think that he obviously has a lot to go uh, in terms of what type of numbers he can post before the year is done. But it is not, you know, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, if Timo Meyer was just going to automatically score 40 goals. If Tomas Schertl was going to do this, that, or the other thing, it's, it's again, it's not what I am specifically looking for. I don't need those two guys to post the, keep on putting up huge, huge numbers, but you do need, in my opinion, your, your core guys, of which includes Timo Meyer and Tomas Schertl and Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Logan Couture. And, you know, you go down the list, you need those guys to keep on playing hard. You need them to be part of something that is showing what it means to be a San Jose Shark and what it means to keep on fighting, even if things are not going your way when all is said and done towards the end of the year. You need to still show that you are earning that money, that you are still fighting hard, that it is not just playoffs or bust, and that you can kind of cruise to the finish. This team needs to show exactly what the mentality of the franchise needs to be going forward, and that specifically falls on the veterans. You know, they, they want to play uh, well for, for uh, their own reasons, right? Moving up in the standings and getting ready for playoffs. We want to play well, and we've got a lot of young guys in, and we want to make sure that we're grinding this out uh, regardless of where you are in the standings. The last 14 games, I think it's important for this team to finish on four momentum, um, and it's important for these young guys to, to seize the opportunity and also for our veterans and our leaders to, and I said this yesterday, is to uh, uh, you know, lead the way and, and, and set the standard. And there's really no better way to do that, to quote-unquote set the standard, than have a really good showing against a team like Edmonton, who despite their inconsistent nature, in my opinion, is one of those teams that if they were right, quote-unquote, they would be one of the most potent teams in the NHL. I mean, we look at what they are 
you know, you look at the talent on the roster. Let's let's not go any farther than just who their main players are. They have some unbelievable players on their roster. This is not shocking to anyone. Uh, we go beyond their immediate top-line guys, and then you still have a really, really good team, and there's a reason that they are in a playoff position right now. Maybe they have not been as good as we expected them to be all year. They're clearly better now than they were earlier, and there are some other reasons beyond uh, just the play of their top guys or just the overall on-the-ice reasons. I mean, they had trouble with their goaltending. They had, they had issues. They were not a perfect team. They, teams rarely are. But having a good showing tonight for the Sharks against a team like Edmonton, to me, goes a long way to showing that you're not just going to roll over and you're not just going to cruise into the offseason. I know that I said the other day that I do not believe in momentum carrying from one season to the next because I think that's true, and I don't think that's what Bob Bugner is saying. I think what Bob Bugner is saying that he's, is that he still wants to see the team finish strong. I still think that he wants them to play these last 14 games as if they matter because they do matter. Because guys are fighting for contracts. Guys are fighting for time on the ice. Guys are battling to be part of the future of the San Jose Sharks. And I think that's exactly what you want. If you don't have the competition to play for the playoffs, then you need you need the competition to play for the time on the ice. And I think, again, Bob Bugner has done a really good job this year of creating a competitive environment. And ultimately, it was the injuries and the absences that what it's what knocked the Sharks out. They were never going to be contending for a Stanley Cup this year, but at the same time, I think if we have, you know, even what we would uh, constitute as a less injured team, I think we're probably looking at them being more in the playoff fight over these last 14 games as opposed to where they are right now. Yeah, I think it's uh, these next 14 games will, will hopefully tell us a lot. I think that, uh, um, you know, the name we don't mention very often is, is hopefully having a healthy knee shot back as well, and that gives you nine healthy D. Um, so, uh you know, something's got to give at some point, but, um, you know, that's a good problem. I think that, uh, um, you know, I'm real happy of, you know, if you look on this year and you say, okay, you know, ups and downs and development, I think you found, uh, um, we, we, we found Megna, we found Malosh, and we found Merkley that can all play at this level. Um, and I think before the season, you, you, you wouldn't have said that. Those guys uh, got an opportunity and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we've instantly become uh, a lot deeper on our back end. And um, so that's a good thing. And I think that uh, it'll be a, a, a competition on a daily basis. And, and you know, sometimes it's uh, it won't be a reflection of their play. Sometimes it's going to be just keeping guys fresh. And, and, and sometimes it'll be opponent-based. Yeah, Bugner said that the other day with regards to why Ryan Merkley wasn't in the lineup. It was just a numbers thing. Ferraro coming back out onto the ice. And I, and I think that's fine. I think that with a younger guy like Merkley, you do want to give him an opportunity to rest from time to time, and you do want the opportunity for him to be able to look at the game off the ice and get a better understanding of what he's looking at. To me, that is what good coaches do. They recognize that rest can be used, that a time off the ice can be a positive, not just a negative as in you're being punished and we're not going to put you out there. It's like, no, give these guys a chance to let their body recharge, make them want to get back out on the ice that much more, and also view the game from the vantage of having that more experience of being at the NHL level. Like Bugner said, you have a lot more guys this year at your back end. You have a lot more guys that have developed and have come up and are ready now to play at the NHL level or have at least you know shown the ability that they can in shorter bursts. And I think that, to me, is where the competition you want to have the most. It's like, get these guys to all fight 
for their time on the ice in a positive way. Obviously, it's not they're they're all on the same team, right? But it's like you want them to all try and to be outplaying each other in a friendly competition because that will ultimately help the team end up with a better result when all is said and done. And I get the argument that you want the better draft spot, but you know, the thing about teams is that there is rarely a quote unquote plan that works of like, well, we're going to get this draft spot and we're going to move up this year. We're going to go from being a, you know, a 30 a, a some odd win team this year to having this many wins, to having this many wins. And we'll suddenly find ourselves in the Stanley Cup final. Like, no, it, it's never that linear. If it was that linear, you'd know exactly which teams were going to come up and by what time they were going to appear in a Stanley Cup final or be winning Stanley Cup playoff series, making deep runs. It rarely works like that rarely works like that. Sometimes, yes, you do get a player like a Connor McDavid and you can build everything around that and watch your team improve in real time. However, the rest of the time, you have to build and you have to wait for guys to develop. And then oftentimes, it's not that slightly better than the year before than they were slightly better than the year before. It is a place of arrival where all the guys that you have out there on the ice are all working together well and it suddenly arrives. Teams arrive in the NHL, suddenly they go from being eh, not so great to, wow, this team is a juggernaut. And it's not like that in just the NHL. It's like that in, in many sports. Teams suddenly arrive. It's never as clear or linear a path to build a team as we like to think it is. Yes, you can take those steps to build a better team, obviously. However, it doesn't just work out. You don't get the seventh pick and immediately have the seventh best player. That player has to develop. That player has to take time. That player has to be part of of a later situation that's not immediate. You don't have a lot of these guys that immediately come out of the draft and are ready to be inserted into the lineup. Yes, you know, your Kale McCars, your Mario Ferraros, there are certain guys out there that are ready to be right into an NHL lineup, but it's not something that you should be counting on. What you can do, however, is create that competition and make these guys fight and grind to the end of the year to overall raise their own level of play and let them understand the level of expectation that you have out there on the ice to know that they are trying to make themselves better while simultaneously making the team better. No, I like his game. I think, uh, you know, he's found, a, I think, a pretty consistent uh, way to stick around the, this, you know, this league. I think he brings uh, physicality, he brings intensity. Um, this isn't a decision based on his game whatsoever. It's just uh, we have eight healthy D, and it's a numbers thing. I had that discussion with him this morning. I said he should feel good about the way he's played and, and established himself. Um, he'll go right back in next game. And, uh, you know, and that's that's a tough part when you got uh, guys that are healthy and, and, and you don't want guys sitting around too long, especially young guys. So uh, um, it's a day by day decision, but by no means has anything reflecting reflection on his game. That's Bugner on the play of Nicholas Malosh, another one of these young players that you hope is part of the future of the Sharks and that you recognize that going forward, we don't know what COVID is going to be like in the upcoming winter. It does appear that we have a much greater handle on how things are, but you are looking at a future, at least in the near future, where you still could have COVID absences and you still could have guys that need to be replaced in your lineup on a relatively consistent basis. It's good to have depth. And I know that the immediate reaction might be to, well, trade some of these young defensemen to bring in more talent on the offensive end. And that might be one path, but it's also important to recognize that it's just, it's not that easy because we are still in a timeline where is, where there is a pandemic ongoing to where you can't just trade away from one depth of a position because you assume everything's going to be normal. Even if there's not a pandemic, we've seen the defensemen go down to injury this year and you can see really what you have and you can bring those guys up and immediately plug them in. And you feel like you're not going to have too much of a drop off in terms of play. 
I know this has not been a very, very pleasing season for many of you. I did not intend to make that rhyme. Uh, but you have had, in my opinion, some of these bright spots. The October 30th outbreak of COVID, which led to all those young guys getting called up, to me is something we are going to look back on in three, four, five years and point to as one of the most important moments in the overall timeline and development of the future of the Sharks. I, I just think it was so very, very massive. I, I look at just how those guys got rushed into an opportunity. All of a sudden, they're out there on the ice. You're forced to make those decisions to play them. If you're not forced to make those decisions, maybe you don't see it the same way, or it's just one guy getting plugged in, or it's just you know a couple of guys that are getting their moments to come up. Instead, you've got a bunch of guys being thrust out there together, and it's not just that they play at that level for a couple of games. They take it down to practice with the Barracuda with them, and they hopefully raise the level of everybody else around them. That, to me, is something we can point to and say is a net positive, even if you didn't do great during that stretch. I know 3-2-1 and one was good when they were without the seven players, but it's still, it wasn't amazing. But you did enough to survive, and you gave those guys the quote-unquote baptism by fire. You threw them into the flames. You said, have at it. And they actually, you know, stood up for themselves really, really well. And they played and they had success and they helped the Sharks not sink their season before, you know, November was at even an end. That's huge, in my opinion. And I know that it doesn't make up for the fact that you haven't won a ton of games and you're not going to the playoffs, but it is still very, very much something I think that you can point to in a couple of years and say, look how important that was. It also allows you to focus on one area of concern a little bit more beyond the defense since you know your D-men are so deep right now, at least we think they are. You recognize that you have more priority and more need on offense that you don't have to worry as much about your defensemen as much. You don't have to worry as much about the D pairings and the D groupings and your overall core there. You've got to focus on the forwards. You got to focus on your bottom six. You got to focus on bringing in more talent and getting guys to raise their games if they are at a relative development level. And, you know, you've wanted more from some of the young guys. I don't need to name names, but you've seen a lot of missed open nets. You've seen a lot of missed opportunities. You've seen a lot of, you know, effort and good play out there. But if you are not connecting the passes, if you are not putting the puck in the back of the net, no matter how hard you play, it's not going to help you earn that ice time going forward. And that's definitely. Something that you have to look at. While you, of course, appreciate the effort, you appreciate everything these guys are putting back out there on the ice and doing with their opportunity. I don't think there's ever been one of the younger guys this year where I've just kind of said to myself, well, he's mailing it in or he take, he's taking these opportunities for granted. You just know that they are not quite there yet. They are not ready to be consistent NHL contributors. And that is very much easier said than done. I can point to the start that a Jonathan Dolan had versus where he is now. I can point to, you know, just some of the missed nets that we've seen from Noah Gregor. I can point to any number of players to where we have seen that they've been given opportunity and maybe not always capitalized upon it. But those aren't even the names that I am quote unquote not naming. Those are the guys who have been good enough to consistently be a part of the lineup. There are other younger guys that have not done what was maybe expected of them or maybe what was hoped of them, but at least it gives their them a realistic point to look at their games and for the coaching staff and for the front office to assess things and point to these guys and say, yeah, that's where they need to improve. This is what they need to work on this offseason. This is what their plan needs to be. Because I do think there was clearly a plan in the previous offseason for guys like Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer. Uh, you know, you look at the improvements they made from last year to this year, even if Carlson did have to deal with injuries and 
you know, that was not, not part of the plan per se, but you saw him much more active and you saw him much more aggressive and you saw him much more high quality skating Eric Carlson. It looked like the Eric Carlson of old. You saw Timo Meyer look like the Timo Meyer that we saw, you know, previously when he was working with Joe Thornton out there on the third line and what we saw, um, you know, in the 2019 2020 season before things got short. It doesn't feel like it's that far away anymore. It feels like you now look at those guys and you say to yourself, okay, it's here again. This is exactly what I expected to see. And then beyond them, you start looking at the guys like the Kinesjobs and the LeBanks that were not able to be part of the season the way that you hope that they were. And you hope that LeBanc in particular will be able to get back out there over these final 14 games and give you something because it's, you know, listen, you got a tough bit of scheduling ahead of you. You got home tonight and Thursday night with Edmonton and Calgary. Then you're at Vancouver, at Nashville, at Chicago, at Dallas, and at Minnesota. Yes, it's not the East Coast trip that, you know, is a little bit harder on the body, but still, that's five straight on the road. Then you're home against Columbus, St. Louis, and Chicago. And then it's four more after that, but only one more on the road. You're at Vegas, home versus Anaheim for the final home game of the season. Then at Edmonton and at Seattle to finish off the season. And yeah, guys, I wish we were playing into May and beyond as well. But at the same time, you've got to be able to use this season as a time to improve the team, even if you were not going into the playoffs. And I feel to that end, by one avenue or another, you didn't know it was going to be injury. You didn't know it was going to be COVID. The Sharks have been able to improve their long-term standing, at least in terms of the areas of assessment. Because we know so much more about Ryan Merkley than we did back in August. We know so much more about Malash. We know so much more about any number of players than we did at the start of the season. And ultimately, if you are not going to be in the playoffs, then what do you need to figure out? You need to figure out who you are and who you aren't. You need to figure out who your players are and who you need. You need to figure out the absences. You need to finish, figure out the gaps. You need to look at these guys and say to yourself very honestly, if you're in the front office, what is their ceiling? What is their floor? What is their happy medium that we can expect on any given game? And try to go from there. And again, it's not as sexy as making it to the playoffs, but I am a firm believer in in making sure that you get the most out of a season to ensure that it's not four straight years without making the playoffs or longer. And to me, that includes the big guys stepping up tonight and putting up a good fight against an Edmonton. Because if you have the pedigree and the pelts on the wall of a Brent Burns, of an Eric Carlson, of a Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, you want to be able to go out there and show a McDavid a dry sidle that, yeah, you can't come into our house and push us around. We are down right now, but we're not out. And I think that that pride should get up. I think that that should be a high point of contention going into this game and show that, yeah, we are not in the playoffs, but the San Jose Sharks are still a good team. That's, you know, that's how I think that the narrative for those guys in the locker room has to be. They have to be able to look themselves in the face. They have to be able to look themselves in the mirror and look at each other and figure out like, yeah, it's a down year. But that doesn't mean we have to be a weak rollover team. That doesn't mean that teams can look at us and bank on two points. That's certainly not how I would want to be regarded. And I would imagine that's not how they would want to be regarded. And again, that's why I look at tonight versus Edmonton. And again, Thursday night against Calgary, a team they've consistently had success against this year. You want to come out and have good performances. I'm excited to see what Reimer has tonight. He looked really good coming in in relief of Kakinen the other night, and it's unfortunate that Kakinen did not have a better start to that game, of which all was not on him, but that's how life is when you are a goalie. But, you know, I want to see Reimer have a good start. I want to see him look exactly like the Reimer that he's been all year, 
because I think there's a lot of people around the NHL who have been so surprised by Reimer's performance this year that they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, you know, I'd like to think that what we've seen this year from Reimer can be carried over into next year. And again, I look at his personality. I look at how light he's been after some bad losses. I look at him as one of those guys that the rest of the team can anchor themselves around and think about how important that would be for him to be able to have such a good year next year. Because you're not just playing for this year anymore. You are playing for next year. You are playing for the future, a future that does include James Reimer and includes Brent Burns and Eric Carlson and Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer and Ryan Merkley. You go down the list. It's the old, it's the young, it's the new. It's all part of what they're trying to build to, even if the here and now is not a brilliant smashing success. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of The Build Up. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide as we look back at tonight's game between the Sharks and the Oilers. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.